You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy, and you're listening to my podcast, Vox and Hops, brought to you by Sound Talent Media, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians to talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. I hope you guys had a great week this week. I had an excellent week. I have been super busy, but that's okay because there's a whole bunch of crazy, amazing things happening in the world of Vox and Hops. I am super stoked to announce that today you can pre-order the Vox and Hops Overhop Canada collaborative brew called Vox and Overhops. This is a New England IPA. I can't get over how gorgeous this can art is. We made a t-shirt to go with it, and you can go and pre-order that right now. You can get that Vox and Overhops collab shirt and the beer. You can reserve that, pre-order it right now via the link in the description of this podcast. These pre-orders are only open for two weeks, so you do not want to miss your chance to get your hands on this shirt. It is gorgeous. They will be printed at The Imprint, which is where I get all of Vox and Hops' merch, and I love them to death. They make some of the best merchandise in Montreal, and I am super proud to work with them. Vox and Overhops, the New England IPA, is coming at you, people. This beer is going to be out on the market mid-November, and I am so excited to try it. I'm super stoked to be with Dave Davidson today, the vocalist and guitarist of Revocation and of his brand new project, whose record came out today called Gargoyle. I love this project. It is completely different than Revocation, and uh, I completely support You guys should most definitely go and check out Gargoyle's brand new self-titled record, which just came out via Season of Mist. It is a monster of a record, and I've been super stoked for it, and it is finally out, people. Go and bathe in the beauty of Gargoyle. This is Vox and Hops episode 190 with Dave Davidson. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today I'm with Dave Davidson of Revocation, and he has a new project called Gargoyle. I am uh, super stoked to be with you. You are an amazing guitarist and extremely creative, and I've been looking forward to uh, sitting down with you and picking your brain. How are you? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me on. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, let's start with a very simple yet complex question. How are you coping with 2020? Um, honestly, I, I, I'm just trying to stay creative and focused on different projects. And, and that's been enormously beneficial to my mental health in these times. It's trying as an artist when you can't get out there to, to connect with your fans. Yeah. But you, you're saying that staying creative has really helped you. Uh, how, how have you... Uh, driven yourself to to keep motivated to keep uh you know putting your your pedal to the metal to keep it's so easy just to languish and watch cobra kai these <laughs> days you know what i mean it's, it's 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 much easier to sit down to do nothing when it takes that extra little push how do you do that um i don't know i guess it's just I, i'm just trying to like like set certain goals for myself and then like do everything i can to to meet those goals. I mean, luckily it's all things that I, um, enjoy working on or at the very least, even if I'm doing something that feels like a bit more laborious at the time, I see the sort of end in sight, like the bigger picture. So, uh, you know, for example, I launched my website in quarantine, davedavidsonguitar.com. 
um, you know, there was a lot of moving parts with that, obviously. And um, I, I was creating these different lesson packs and, and doing a lot of like work on the computer with in Guitar Pro, like transcribing things and all that stuff. So less sort of fun stuff of like playing guitar. But at the end of the day, it was it was a, a project that I wanted to fulfill. And now that that's done, I feel like this like big sense of relief that I can move on to like other products. So sometimes I'll kind of like stack it up. You know what I mean? Like I, I mentally can't move on to the next thing until I get the, the thing that I'm working on off my plate. So uh, yeah, e- even if it's something that I'm working on at the time, that's not like, you know, super creative, like writing music or whatever. Um, it's, it's still like, feels good to like complete that goal because then I can get on to the next thing that I, that I want to work on. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's just trying to set goals and just, and just trying to meet those goals. And I think, um, you know, look for the silver linings, like anywhere you can, uh, when you're, when you're doing something like that. Absolutely. And that, that procrastination monkey that gets on our back when we know that we have something that we have to accomplish and you put it off is, is such a weight. So it must be somewhat refreshing to have actually this time to, to accomplish all these things that you've had on the back burners. Yeah. I mean, I've wanted to launch my website for years, but I just like never did because tours. one thing leads to another, you know, a tour comes up or you got to write a record or you got to record. Um, so yeah, the fact that I had some downtime, I just tried to embrace it. I mean, as a touring musician, it's like, you know, kind of like a shot to the gut when you find out like, oh, you're not going to be able to tour for who knows. I mean, initially they were like, oh, it'll be a few months. And now it's looking like a year or or maybe even longer. So, um, yeah, I I just tried to embrace that downtime and, and, and tackle projects that I was kind of procrastinating on and putting off. Wonderful, wonderful. Uh, Vox and Hops is all about hanging out with my metal friends and talking about their lives, music, and craft beer. Do you have a beer on your side, Dave? I don't. I'm actually drinking a cocktail tonight. That's okay. That's yeah. okay. So what, what's in your cocktail there? I have no fucking idea. Uh, I know there's beet <laughs> juice and some orange blossom water and uh, some, maybe some rum. My, my roommate is uh, an esteemed uh, mixologist, so she's currently crafting a new bar program for one of the places that she works at so i'm i'm the guinea pig that that it sounds like a good problem to have there dave it's an excellent <laughs> problem to have. um I, I i have been told through the grapevine that you are a craft beer enthusiast is that true oh yeah yeah i uh i love beer i've been very fortunate to get to you know, try a lot of amazing beers around the world check out different breweries um i've become friends with a lot of different brewers um, and, you know, at different places. So, yeah, it's something that I definitely got into a lot uh, over the past several years. And, um, you know, I kind of like all styles. Like, I'm not just like an IPA guy or a stout guy. Like, I, I enjoy good Pilsner. I enjoy like good Saisons and farmhouse ales, you know, like more like kind of wild, spontaneously fermented stuff. Um, you name it. I'll, I'll, if it's carbonated, I'll drink it. <laughs> Wonderful. On my side, I am going to be drinking the Hop Burglar Triple Dry Hop Triple IPA. It clocks in with a monstrous 10%. From It's actually a collaboration between Brewski and uh, Emporium out of Quebec City. Brewski's from Montreal, right in, uh, the, in the old port of Montreal. They have been open for about... 
two years in their new establishment, probably one year in their new brew house, and they're just killing it here. So uh, massive shout-out to Kevin from La Canette for hooking me up with this brew. Super stoked about uh, everything going on there. Tell, tell me, take me right back. I want to hear this craft beer journey. Do you remember, let's start right at the beginning. Tell me about your first beer, Dave. My first beer ever? That is correct. Oh, man. Uh, I don't know. It was probably a, like a old English 40 or something like that that I paid some stranger to buy me at a liquor store. It's a nice color on that. Yeah, it's absolutely beautiful. Pure haze. Yeah. Uh, Both Emporium and uh, Brewski are killing it on the haze here in Montreal, Quebec City for Emporium. Mm. Um, Cheers, Dave. Thank you so much for uh, taking some time to uh, have a chat with me. Of course, man. I don't know if you can see the color of this cocktail without me. I can, yeah. It's a little pinkish. It's like a, got like a nice ruby red. Ooh, this has got a beautiful boozy bite. It's creamy, slightly dank. Uh, They hopped this sucker with uh, Idaho 7, Strata, and Raku, Raku, R-A-K-A-U. I should be pronouncing that properly. I think that is a New Zealand or New Zealand hops, which I normally tend to enjoy very much. Mm. I love this brew. So good. Boozy 10% bite. Um, After that uh, Old English... Take, take me to that craft beer story. Do you remember the beer that really opened up your eyes to the world of craft beer? Uh, let, me, let me think about that. I mean, you know, being, being from Boston, like New England in general, there's like a lot of good beers around there. I think, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know if Sam Adams is considered like craft beer or whatever, but like I think maybe for the time at least it, it would have been considered that. Like, I mean, we're talking, you know, I don't know decade ago at least you know probably more um but i remember like their boston lager and drinking that you know it's some kind of like family outing or something like that be like oh this is this is pretty good you know it's definitely like got more flavor and um uh, you know just just had like a depth to it that uh you know something like a like a budweiser or something like that didn't have um and then when touring more with brett our bass player uh he's he's friends with so many different dudes and I think the dude that really got him into craft beer, or at least maybe one of the people that got him to craft beer, was was Dave Witty. And you know, Dave Witty is the is the man around town when it comes to uh, metal dudes who are into craft beer. He's uh, you know obviously a legend in the metal world, but he's he's a bit of a legend in the in the in the beer world as well. I mean, he's just got so many connections to so many different people. So Brett played in a band with Witty, and I think uh, Dave definitely like imparted a lot of his his knowledge and appreciation uh, for craft beer uh, onto Brett. So we'd be on tour and then it would be like, oh yeah, like so-and-so from this brewery, like we're going to throw him on the guest list. He's going to come out and like bring us some beer. Uh, And it just kind of snowballed like that, you know, pretty soon, like it it turned into like, like a a prerequisite almost like, oh yeah, we're going to, if we're going to Chicago, yeah, we're going to hit up off color. We're going to hit up uh, three Floyds, uh, things like that. So uh, and then it kind of, you know, spread out like even more and more like to, to like the sort of worldwide craft beer hookup. So like, um, you know, we had some homies from Destrus Brewery and come out and like bring us some really incredible Belgian beers. Um, you know, we actually got to go to that brewery uh, and check out. They gave us uh, I think it was some was it the Albert or something like that? Like it's like like their stout or whatever. Like they had like a damnation stout or something like that that was like aged on all these like crazy barrels. So they gave us like several bottles of that um yeah j- definitely brett like helped sort of usher in this like insane craft beer 
meeting of the two worlds uh, in, into uh, our our touring circuit. So I've got I've got Brett to thank for that as well as uh, as Dave Witty. The Dave Witty trickle down effect. It's it's he's it everywhere, man. First. He's everywhere. <laughs> It's, he's been a good influence because uh, you know the, you know extreme metal is complex. There's a lot of layers to it, and craft beer also has that. It, it's an art form, and uh, we deserve as extreme musicians something that matches our artistic endeavors. Extreme <laughs> beverage, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> has there ever been? Are you interested in ever having a uh, craft beer for one of your projects? Has there been a revocation brew? Have I missed that? There has not. Um, but I don't know if I can really speak on this, but, uh, we, we have plans to possibly do that with a, the, with a really fantastic brewery. Um, actually we were planning on doing it right before, uh, COVID hit and, uh, and then, you know, everything like shut down obviously. So we had to, had to put that on ice. Yeah, it was gonna, I was really looking forward to that, uh, collaboration night i uh, ended up texting my buddy who who works for this uh, mystery brewery and he's like oh yeah we're gonna do it you know once things open back up so uh i don't know if i can say or should i say should i just not say i don't well, know well you, you can not say the brewery but yeah. you can say what style of beer it was see we don't even know that uh we we were gonna just kind of i think get together and and collaborate on some stuff so very cool. It's like getting into a jam room with people. And kind of, yeah. You know, I mean, I've never brewed beer before, um, but I was really looking forward to kind of getting some some hands on uh, sort of knowledge out of that, and and just sort of lending some maybe outside the box kind of ideas. So like, hey, like you know, this is like maybe like a concept behind like a record, or like, hey, this album. Uh, I don't know. I was thinking about you know the stouter ones came to mind. Uh, so we were maybe going to do a stout or something like that. But I'm always open to uh, other artistic interpretation and, and input. So if he had any ideas of, of what to do, I was going to you know, embrace that head on as well. I always thought it would be cool to do like, like a Vietnamese coffee stout. Like I love coffee stouts and I love Vietnamese coffee. So I always thought that would be like a cool somehow blend those two things together. But I don't know if that fits into with the, the outer ones theme at all. But um God damn, I bet it would be delicious. Yeah, and I, I, I have not seen a Vietnamese coffee stand out there yet, so... Someone's going to take that idea now. And, uh, <laughs> I wasted it. Uh, let, let's move into to music now. I, I would like to go back to your youth, uh, the soundtrack of your youth. When you were growing up in your parents' or guardians' home, what music was playing when you were not in control of the music? What music did they listen to? Um... It's just probably the radio. I didn't come from like a huge like like musical background, you know. I mean, I remember like really loving music as a kid, and my parents definitely nurtured that. But you know, it wasn't like we were listening to old records or this or that. I just kind of I think found my own way. I mean, in the, in, the, in the in my youngest years, uh, yeah, I was you know just kind of listening to whatever like my mom had on like in the radio or whatever, like you know some kind of like top forty um hits uh so yeah it wasn't like i had like an older sibling or anything like that that like really got me into you know a particular type of music i I think i was always like a pretty inquisitive kid and i always like wanted to like search things out for myself so uh even though my parents didn't um you know they exposed me to a lot of like different music or whatever they were very 
they were very supportive in all my you know artistic endeavors like my mom you know got me a guitar when I was 12 and you know had me take lessons and all that stuff so it was good that they were supportive and, and in a way it was kind of cool because I got to kind of do that exploration uh on my on my own end and you know rather than have someone like bring me music that like oh you should listen to this because you know I listened to it it was I got to kind of choose my own adventure with that that's always very refreshing too uh you, you must have had a, a group of friends around you where you guys all grew and developed together um yeah like I feel like I, I sort of found more of like my like metal minded friends, like more in like like high school and like college. A lot of my friends growing up uh, in, in middle school were all into like hip hop and stuff like that. So um, which which I really enjoy as well. Like, I mean, I grew up like with my friends, like listening to like Biggie and, and Wu-Tang and um, like Tupac and stuff like that. But uh you know, I mean, maybe I would play them like a metal song from like time to time, but it wasn't like we were like cranking like metal with like my main like group of friends. Like I had like a couple other dudes, like the the like the dudes that I started the band with. Like we were all into like metal and rock and stuff like that, obviously, and would like listen to that stuff. But like in terms of like my my larger friend group, um, we weren't really listening to like a ton of that stuff. And like by the time I got to like college and stuff like that, though, like you know, meeting like a whole bunch of dudes and like playing out more and more in the scene and connecting with dudes sort of from, from Boston and, and, and beyond. Um, that was when I really had that kind of, uh, you know, collective, I don't know, support system, if you want to call it that, or, or, you know, just, just sort of listening parties with buddies. Like we'd go over and like start cranking like metal tunes and order a few pizzas and get a few 30 racks and, you know, classic, uh, metalhead college, days the good days yeah you know, fun times right there but uh was it was it easy for you to to find people to collaborate early on when you when you started playing was it immediately like i want to be in a band or was it just i want to play guitar uh when i first started i mean i started playing guitar when i was 12 and i didn't know anyone uh to be in a band with so it was more just like something for me and and uh i think it was good again it was sort of like a self-exploration you know discovery on my own terms i could kind of like hone my craft like uh work on things that i needed to work on on my on my own time and get good enough to where like i could be in a band but yeah by the time i was like 15 16 i was just like itching like it's like all right, i've been playing for like a few years i've been playing a lot of like aerosmith and guns and roses records like every day and like starting to get into like heavier and heavier shit it's like all right it's, it's time to uh it's time to start jamming with some other folks. So, um, you know, I met Phil, uh, and Anthony in, in middle school. I think we were in eighth, eighth grade when I met those guys. Uh, we, I think we were in the same homeroom and yeah, we just like kind of just started chatting, got together, started jamming. And then, uh, yeah, pretty, pretty soon on, we started just like writing material that would, would turn into like some of like the first revocation songs. That's you know they can make a movie about you guys. That's it's it that shit doesn't happen very often. Yeah, you know it's just one of those things where uh, you know you, yeah you just get together. I mean with 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 metal it's not like it's a super deep bench, right? You know it's not like everyone's listening to 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 Cannibal Corpse and and you know death metal and thrash and this and that. So when you find guys that are into it or even like kind of into it, like that's that was like the whole thing. I mean when you're when you're a kid and you're discovering all these things, it's like you're experiencing them sort of like for the first time, like with your friends, you know? So I remember like, uh, our bases at the time, Anthony, he would, he would be, 
you know, bringing in like, oh, check this out. It'd be like, you know, this band in flames. Like, let's listen to this. This is record colony. And we'd buy the CD and we'd put it on and listen to it all together and be like, whoa, this is so melodic. Like, they never like had heard that before, like screaming vocals with like super melodic sounding riffage. Like, it almost like fucked with my brain. I'm like, like this like doesn't compute for me. Uh, <laughs> well, and then we're like, allowed to do this? Right, exactly. It was like, <laughs> oh, I can do, you know, it was literally like, oh, I can do this. That's crazy. And then, um, you know, I would, I remember like getting X hoarder, the law on CD. And I just listened to that like nonstop. And it was one of those things. It's like watching like a really good movie. You know, you could like, you could rewatch it, you know, and it's like even more special when you like watch mm-hmm. it with someone else who hasn't seen it. Cause like, you know, the <laughs> things that are coming up and you get like all excited cause someone else is experiencing it. So it was, it was like that with music uh, for all of us, like individually, like we would get a, get a record or, uh, or whatever and like bring it in to the rest of the, to the, to the dudes and be like, yo, check this out. And we'd all just like, just vibe on it like super hard. And then like, I think that would just inspire us all like collectively to work that much harder. Very cool. It's, it's, you know, being at the right place in that right homeroom, who knows, eh? but you seem to have the drive that uh, you would have kept going anyways. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let, let's talk about this new project, Gargoyle. Uh, I personally really, really enjoy it. Everything that I've heard uh, is uh, stellar, right up my alley. I love the the whole prog rock scene. I love that uh, you're doing something completely different. Thank I, I you so much. Must feel refreshing. Yeah, it was something that I really needed, um, and I I think I didn't even realize how much I needed it until we got into the you know really deep into the writing process of it because the ideas just started flowing out so quickly and so organically. Um, I spent a lot of time, you know, working on and honing my craft as, a, as you know, the, the guitarist and front man of Revocation. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, I mean, most people sort of associate that band sort of with me and like they kind of take that as like the entirety of my sound. But I've got like a lot of other influence as well. Um, you know, I, I studied jazz in college and in high school and stuff like that. So um and 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 I grew up listening to all different like rock bands and and prog and stuff so yeah having a vehicle for those influences um has just been really really good for me as just a musician in general I'm super excited to get that stuff out um and it's it's exciting to me to share this other side of my self as a as a as a composer or whatever um you know with 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 revocation fans and, you know, hopefully sort of, you know, beyond that or, or, or reaching out to a different spectrum of, of, of music fan, because, you know, if, if you're only into revocation for the sheer, like brutality, like heaviness of it, um, then maybe, yeah, maybe Gargoyle like isn't going to be for you. But, uh, luckily I think our, our, our fans are, are really open-minded, um, or at least a good portion of them are. And like, like the music that revocation makes, because it kind of touches on like a variety of, different um even though it's like you know limited to like a death metal or thrash metal kind of scope like there's a lot that we do with it i think so people that are into the the forward thinking nature of that band i think will be into gargoyle but yeah like i said i'm I'm looking forward to to branching out and um hopefully bringing in some other people that maybe would never listen to revocation that you know might find something that they like about gargoyle because it, it's it's all singing right and it's it's uh even though it's heavy and intense it's not like you know you're not listening to to death metal obviously but i think it can still be um you know jarring and unnerving um in in maybe like a different way than revocation is but 
maybe touches on some of the same moods uh, loosely, like here and there. And just in terms of like, yeah, just some stuff that like, I don't know, makes you like kind of kind of takes you aback a little bit in terms of like either the surprising quality of the of the twists and turns that are in there um, or, or just like, yeah, this is the kind of like progressive element that I think is present in, in both bands, but just in different ways. Absolutely. And, and Revocation has really evolved over the years from just being a straightforward death metal thrash based band into something far more innovative and creative. But did you get to a certain point where you felt like you were stuck in a box and, and you, you, when you were coming up with riffs just went on your own and you were like, ah, oh, this could never be something for Revocation and you just put it in this box in your mind or... Yeah, there was there was certain riffs that I um there was a couple riffs for Gargoyle that I had written um before Gargoyle was even a thing that yeah, I, I knew like they, they sounded cool and they were they were out there. It, it wasn't like, oh, this is this is uh like a throwaway revocation riff. It's something that I wrote that's like not good enough revocation that I, um it, it was just something that I was like, oh, this is really cool, but it just doesn't like fit within the revocation framework i think i've gotten better at like like uh defining my sound over the years like in in the early stages of revocation we were trying so many different things um you know for some people i think those rec the early records are like they're maybe they're they like that more than like what revocation sort of evolved and, and, and turned into um for me like i really enjoy working within like like more of like a concrete sort of death metal framework now and like pushing it in different directions, but still keeping that, um, that main death metal aesthetic, like as, as sort of the main vision with revocation now. Um, whereas before, like, yeah, we were like doing different things. I mean, we had like horn sections and like Hammond organ solos on, on different songs like back in the day. Um, so yeah, I guess with in writing now I'm, I'm more kind of, in tune with like how I want certain things to sound. So I guess I can kind of compartmentalize, you know, di different riffs and say like, okay, yeah, like, yeah, this for sure works with revocation or, okay, maybe this is better served for like a different product. Cause at the end of the day, I want to push the boundaries of whatever genre that I'm working in, but it's this sort of double edged sword where it's like, I, I want to push the boundaries as, as far as I can possibly take them. But at the same time, I want to try to keep it as cohesive as possible. So it's it's a it's a tricky balance sometimes, like really trying to push the the boundaries, but still maintaining like a an, an overarching kind of umbrella or whatever that your sound sort of falls uh, underneath. But it's it's been a fun challenge, and um, it's something that I, I I really enjoy. Anytime I'm I'm writing, uh, whether it's for revocation or for a new project. I like to really, you know, get to the core of what the sound is and then like come up with as many different sort of ways that I can push that core sound. Hmm, very interesting. I, the, I've spoken to a lot of musicians, obviously, through Vox and Hops and Cryptopsy. Chris and Ollie often speak about riffs having a certain color. Does that fall into that where Revocation has riffs have a certain color to them and Gargoyle has something that was just completely different? Yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, there's all sorts of metaphors that come to mind when when you're talking about music, whether it's yeah, it's color or or, or mood or or vibe or whatever. Um, I, I think they all are getting at the same thing, which is essentially, you know, what is the emotional content of the music? You know, how does the music make you feel, uh, and 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 how does it sort of fit within 
you know, your, your, your mindset as, as a writer, right? Cause I think you have to have a vision when you're, when you're writing something that you're, that you, you know, something that you really want to be like proud of and like, and put out there. Um, and that, and that vision can change and evolve over the years. I mean, thinking back to different bands, like, like, like a band like death, for example, you know, when I was listening to death as a kid, you know, I was just kind of listening to the whole discography sort of all at once, you know, so like one day I'd be listening to left because, you, you know, you just, you discover a band and if you're a fan of music and I was such a rabid metal fan back in the day, like, oh my God, I can't even like, I, I just would always be buying CDs and just going down the rabbit, like scouring through the thank you list of different bands and like, okay, oh, this, this band thanked that band. Like, oh, I've never heard of them. I got to look them up. And so I was just like ravenous for, for, for metal back then. So, you know, when I found Death, I was just a huge fan, obviously. I mean, they're such a classic band and, and for good reason, they're amazing. Um, but I was listening to Leprosy at the same time I was listening to Human at the same time I was listening to Symbolic and Individual Thought Patterns and Sound of Perseverance. Um, we actually were uh, Death for Halloween one year. Like this is like years <laughs> and years ago. And we played a song off of every record. Um, anyway. But like I was experiencing it kind of like all at once. And, you know, as, as I was, was older and like, you know, really put it into a chronological timeline and could kind of like assess it in a different way. Um, it, w- it was cool to see the development of like where, where death started and where death ended up. So I think all good musicians, all good artists like kind of adapt and change with the times and, and evolve and, and, and grow. And, uh, you know, your, your life experiences affect the music that you make. Uh, you're, you're, you know, the, the, the more you learn, uh, about music affects the music that you make or, or, you know, can refine it. I think refinement is like the best kind of term that comes to mind when I'm thinking about my own writing process with, with revocation. You know, it, it started with all these different influences from, from metal and beyond. And I was just kind of putting them all into the revocation sound. And as I kind of got that out of my system more and more, I could kind of focus the scope of that. So maybe there's, there's less, um, you know, sort of peripheral kind of like elements out there floating around. But I think bringing those, those in and, 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 and honing that in has, has made for, uh, just like stronger records overall, like consistently as the, as the band is, it's gotten better, but that's the cool thing about music. It's totally subjective. You know, so some, some people might think that our earlier stuff is the best stuff we ever did. So, we can't please them all, Dave. <laughs> you know, I, that's the thing. If you try to please everybody, you end up pleasing nobody. So I just try to make music for myself first and foremost. And, you know, because it, it's an artistic expression. It's a cathartic release. Uh, and then hopefully people are down to come along for the ride. And I'm very thankful to all of our fans uh, for allowing me to be me and, uh, you know, write the music that I want to write. It's very, It's very freeing when you've got, like, a fan base that uh, I think knows to sort of expect the unexpected. Uh, you mentioned that you do the stouter ones for revocation. If you could make a brew for gargoyle, it being a different color and having a different vibe, uh, what brew would that be and what style would that be? That's an excellent question. I haven't thought about that at all, but I'm going to go with off the top of my head, maybe some kind of really funky farmhouse wild ale something uh effervescent on the palate with a lot of uh different strange notes that kind of perk up your taste buds 
Very cool. Yes. Uh, when I spoke to Frank Godla, he mentioned that uh, it was after a conversation with you that Slay at Home really took off. Do, do you remember that conversation at all? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love Frank. He's my he's my homie. Um, we were hanging out uh, a couple days ago, in fact. Very cool. Uh, super good. I love that festival. It's really amazing. Yeah. Uh, tell me about that, and I want to talk about uh, your collaboration that you did for the Slay at Home Fest, which I thought was amazing, too. Thank, thank you. Um, yeah, uh, this was right when the pandemic was really in, in full force. I mean, there was so much conflicting information out there, and there was so much sort of I don't know, just depression and, and panic around it. I mean, it was like, is the economy going to collapse? Like, what's there was all of these questions swirling around. Uh, and I think everyone felt very claustrophobic and, you know, just sort of, I don't know, just a, a mixture of, of, of depressed and, uh, you know, the depression and fear was, was sort of pervasive, it seemed like, you know, across society, kind of worldwide. You know, you're reading things from, from Italy, you know, hospitals being over, you know, overrun and you know, seeing all these cases pop up and places like New York and whatnot in the States. Um, so it was a dark time. And, um, you know, Frank being the great guy that he is, he's, he's always trying to be like a, a beacon of, of light, uh, you know, whether it's with metal injection, like trying to always promote different bands um, or with the Slay at Home Fest. And he basically called me up and he's like, hey, you know, I got this idea to basically do like a metal version of Live Aid. So like bunch of performances. I mean, they're all, be, all would be, you know, pre-recorded and digital, obviously. But, uh, you know, something that it could be a, a performance for fans, giving people some entertainment, um, you know, something to take their mind off of everything. Uh, and also a way to raise money for, for charity. I think he was donating to Music Cares and there was maybe one other charity that was, uh, you know, involved with some kind of like COVID relief or it was maybe even... Uh, money going to research for a cure. I forget. There was a couple different things that he had tossed out. I don't, I don't remember where everything ended up going. Um, and he was like, Oh, do you want to do like some cover songs or whatever? And I had worked with Frank and did some covers. Uh, we, we did a, a, a Christmas benefit show, uh, at St. Vitus. Um, you know, love St. Vitus in 2020. Yeah. Uh, it was 2019 actually. Um, and like we donated all the money to like toys for tots and we were doing like, you know, a bunch of different covers like Metallica and Megadeth and Black Sabbath. Um, and he was like, oh, do you want to you know, kind of do that again? And for, for me, like I, I love doing that live, but I just needed to write some music, like especially given all like the anxieties that were swirling around everybody. So I'm um, like, yeah, if you don't mind, like I, I want to like I know it's like more of an undertaking to write something original, but I'm like, can we can we put together like this hit squad of, of musicians uh and he kind of like let me like choose the team. So I'm like, I'd love to work with Luke LeMay. Like he's one of my favorite, most influential guitar players. I mean, you know, Tabernacle, he's, he's so good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and then um, Elliot from, from Carbomb and, and Liam from Dillinger Skate Plan. So like luckily they all said yes. And they are all just such great musicians to work with. Me and Luke were Skyping with each other like every day pretty much. Uh, and it was funny. I didn't even realize at the time, but he is, he was basically like out of commission at that point. Like he had like, Luke's one of those guys who's like a jack of all trades. Like he'll do like woodworking and he'll like, he's like a crazy like snooker player. Like, and he'll just be like <laughs> running tables on that. Um, and I think it, like he's got such a creative mind, but like, it's kind of like, w like the, whatever he's focused on at the time, like he goes like 
full on into that. So uh, he really hadn't been playing like much guitar, I don't think, or writing at all. And it was funny, like even uh, Michael, like the president of Season of Mist, like sent me a Facebook message. He was like, how the fuck did you bring Luke out of retirement? <laughs> kind of, thing, you know what I mean? Like, um, but he, he was like ready and raring to go. Uh, you know, I think it was it was good that maybe he had some time off because like I said, like the ideas were just flowing. I sent him over a riff and he sent me over a bunch of other riffs that like went along with it. And yeah, the collaboration was was just so much fun. I think we wrote like a really cool song together. Um, a lot of people were, were really stoked on it um, in, in that digital fest, the Slay at Home Fest. Uh, you can you can find it online for anyone that's listening to this right now. Um, the song's called Pallid Veil. So if you look up Slay at Home Fest or Pallid Veil, I'm sure it'll pop up on YouTube. Um, but yeah, it was a dream come true to, for me to, to collaborate with Luke. And uh, you know, maybe we can do some more stuff uh, in the future. Who knows? That's what I was going to suggest. And uh, shout out to Chris Donaldson who mixed that track. Oh yeah, yeah. That that his, the mixing was and he. He he got it together so quick too, uh, which was which was awesome. I mean, we were kind of on a time crunch there, uh, as you can imagine, especially working with so many different bands. And he, had, you know, he had announced the date and everything like that. So the fact that we we got it all in in time was like, okay, cool, we did that. <laughs> it's that same little pressure of uh, you know climbing onto a stage, something that we're all missing. The, the little butterflies, the, the hair raising on our arms. That's something that, that uh, I, I get through these interviews. Uh, so you, it was nice that you guys got to do that. Uh, how else have you been getting those, those moments back? How have you been filling that void? I mean, luckily, this new Gargoyle record is, is coming out uh, in October. So I've been getting that feeling uh, a little bit from the tracks that we've been releasing, you know, seeing people's reactions to me and just, just knowing that it's out there. I mean, this is something that I've been working on for quite some time, uh, you know, working with season to miss and having them push it. It's, it's been keeping me again, like focused on like specific goals and, and, you know, every month, like we're putting a new track out. So, uh, I'm not sure when this is going to air, but, uh, we've got a new track coming out, actually a music video for, for the third and final track on, on Monday. So, it's like every, every single month, it's like, all right, cool. Like we got the lead up, we got the build up, we release the track, we help promote it, we help push it, come up with, you know, kind of creative ideas to, to get it out there. And then, you know, but before you know it, like the next track is coming down the pipeline. So yeah, that's, that's definitely been good. I mean, I've been teaching, which is, which is fun. You know, I, I, I get those sort of hair raising moments uh, from time to time with different students when they, when they have like a, a breakthrough on a particular um, topic that we're covering so that's good that's helping to keep me inspired and honestly just you know i've used this time uh to to work on myself as a musician uh like i've been transcribing a lot like you know just either going down like a youtube rabbit hole and finding some like awesome jazz guitar player that i really love and you know oh, i'll transcribe like a chorus or two of that sometimes i'll write it down but most of the time i'll just like just try to like sort of learn it and like you know, maybe I'll like sort of forget most of it, but you know, I'll take away like some sort of concept. So I've, I find that if I'm trying to constantly learn something every day, um, you know, that's a, that's a good day for me. If I can, even if I can just learn like one small thing, it, it, it keeps me, keeps me inspired. keeps me motivated. You know, like I'll wake up in the morning and some, you know, the first thing I'll do sometimes just like waking up rather than just like, I don't know, watch some random, 
bullshit like I'll, I'll like watch like a, a video of like an artist that I really like or like oh so and so put up this you know live video or whatever or like you know some you know, quarantine guitar video that's like really uh, compelling and I'll just like alright I'm like I'm up it's like I've had a cup of coffee and like get the guitar in my hands and start practicing so it's been a it's been a good routine of like constantly trying to be inspired and, and, and learning little things uh, every day. Awesome. I love that. I love that. And I, I hope that a lot of other musicians are taking this time or even able to take this time to do that. And we should step out of this better people and better musicians and with a whole bunch of amazing music that we're going to unleash on the world. One last question, Dave. Uh, what is your hangover cure? Oh, man. Hangovers, as you know, man, they just get worse and worse. I mean, I thought I knew what a hangover was as a kid. I thought it just meant like you ate, you didn't feel good, and then you ate breakfast, and then you're okay. Nowadays, like, you know, no matter what I do, a hangover is like an all-day thing. I think that the best offense is a good defense. Just don't drink so much that you get a hangover. Or if you do, or like you're drinking a ton, just, just pound a ton of water before bed and like maybe have like a coconut water or two like on deck for the morning because you're, you're you're gonna suffer for sure if you're if you're <laughs> over 30 and you've and you've slammed a six pack of those hop burglars hey good memory yeah. you're you're gonna uh there's no way you're not gonna you're not gonna feel that shit in the morning so <laughs> i wish i had a better some that's that's my there's 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 no hope there. I'm I'm trying to give as much hope as I can with everything else, but over thirty, that hangover is six hop burglars deep. Can't escape it. <laughs> Dave, thank you so much uh, taking the time to talk about your life, your music, about some craft beer. Everyone, get ready for the new Gargoyle coming out on October 9th via Seasons of Mist. Uh, it's uh, I'm super stoked about it. I love uh, that it's different. That uh, you stretch yourself out of your comfort zone, even though it is your comfort zone, but out of your published comfort zone. Um, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Dave. Cheers. Thank you, man. Cheers, brother. Great talking to you. Thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. What a great chat. What a great dude. What a smart, smart individual. I, I love chatting with talented musical prodigies, and I put Dave Davidson in that class of people that is saying a lot, but I mean it. Uh, what a great record, this Gargoyle. I got to say again, you guys got to check this out. If you haven't, I strongly, strongly suggest it. If you enjoyed this Fox and Hops episode, you should most definitely go and subscribe on the podcast platform platform of your choice. There are over 180 other Vox and Hops episodes up there for you to go and check out. I hope you guys have a great weekend. I am really looking forward to relaxing. I got something super huge coming up. The Vox and Hops and Overhop Canada Collaborative Brew is just the first part of a huge two-year anniversary for the Vox and Hops podcast. I can't wait to tell you all about this special two-year anniversary episode I got coming up. I've pulled all kinds of Vox and Hops alumni out of the woods. I've put them all together, and we're doing something truly amazing. I can't wait to share it with all of you. Have yourselves a great weekend, people. Vox and Hops is brought to you by Sound Talent Media. I will be back next week with two episodes. But until then, remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops hits. 
Well, hey, friends, my name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Again.